A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to the Bradley Wiggins Show by Eurosport, the home of cycling in association with Lacquer Bicycle Insurance. I'm Graham Wilgos. With me, of course, Sir Bradley Wiggins. Hello. Brad, Soren Crow Anderson won today's stage with a solo breakaway inside the final 16 kilometres. Congratulations to him. No real changes on GC, but mm. we're putting the Tour de France to one side for today because we wanted to address an issue that's far greater than cycling. Yeah. Yeah. I am. Um... For anyone who watched the breakaway or does watch it or is on social media and it's out there now, our very own Orla Shenwi um, did an interview with Kevin Ratzer. When we watched in rehearsals, I walked out halfway through. I thought it was actually quite sad. And yeah, um, it's, it's, um, obviously, it's to do, he's the only black rider in the peloton. We're quite backwards in our sport on this subject. And um, I thought, well, you know what? This is bigger than the Tour de France. And I don't want it to just dwindle away you know good on all her actually for raising it and doing it and she, the way she conducted the interview is 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 very articulate in french and um you know i urge people to go out and watch it really and uh on that note i think um i decided to ring our old mate manny and, and get him on the show and he's gonna join us shortly and um get his views on it yeah so I think it's something that needs needs addressing now um, so, Brad, as you say, all are caught up with Kevin Retzer. She spoke to him in French, so he's, yeah. a, he's a Parisian. He's, you know, yeah. born and raised in Paris. So we can't um, really, we, we would play the interview on here, but obviously we can't, if anyone who doesn't speak French, then, um, but you can see it um, on social media, on Eurosports um, channels, and um, I'm going to be posting it later on mine when I get downloaded, because it's quite uh, it's quite hard to watch in some areas, and it's, um, yeah, but we'll play it anyway and uh, try and catch up with that. And obviously it will give some context to, to the rest of what we're talking about. But Yeah, so so just to pick up on that, he opened up about his own experiences of racism in the sport, but admitted he rarely discusses it with his close friends and teammates. Um, and he also urged his white colleagues to pay attention to what's happening around them. So a direct quote from, from Kevin Retzer, he said, follow the news, look around yourself and try to be less selfish. Um, and Brad, sort of to, to pick up, I know it's a subject that you're passionate about, like we all are, and it was great to have Manny Arthur from the Black Cyclist Network back on the show. Manny, welcome back to the show. Brad, you've seen the interview as well. Mm. I mean, what, what, what did you make of it? I walked out halfway through because I just felt, I thought it was tragic. I thought, uh, this lad, watching this lad, the, the talking about, you know, just becoming, he's, it's, it's, it's normalised to just accept him that that's the way it is and the traditions of cycling and these things. And I thought it was a, such a shame. It shows how backwards we are as a sport in some areas and we make such a fuss about other areas of the sport. You know, lots of people do disingenuously make a fuss about other areas of the sport that they don't actually care about, but they use it as a weapon to just to be aggressive and have a go at you. Um, but they don't actually care or want to do anything about it. And... But, but this one issue is clearly still inst a closet issue within cycling that that certain people are out there trying to do something about, like like Manny is, and um, it, it shouldn't be an issue. It's 2020, mm. and uh, Kevin, I just felt really sorry for him. You know, is that 
someone's got to do something about it. And off the back of that, and reacting off the back of that, we decided that we, you know, sod the Tour de France. What happened today is about talking about something that actually needs sorting out. And um, Manny, welcome. Um, Manny, I know you've just seen the, the video. Um, yeah. What did you make of it? I, I thought it was quite sad, right? To be honest, um, I remember reading a story actually recently that um, an interview that Kevin gave, and he talked about, you know, how he sort of wanted to confront the issue around racism and talk about it and speak openly about it. And um, when he was uh, maybe like seven or eight years ago, um, but he felt that he couldn't he couldn't do anything about it at the time because he was a young rider then. You know, he was trying to carve a career for himself. And we all see what can happen sometimes when you are a vocal person um, speaking for a minority group. Sometimes you can get blacklisted, but she doesn't say whitelisted. Um, and so, you know, you could end up losing your salary, you could end up losing your career. So there's a lot of like concern there for him for, of taking a stand. Now, what really sort of like really hurts me and disappoints me about his story is the fact that he's now a senior statesman within that squad. You know, he's looking after the likes of Brian Cocard and all those, you know, he has that influence power within the squad. And for him to feel that he cannot even talk about it, you know, goes to show just, um, just how, you know, um, how much he's come to accept it and internalize that this is the way things are. Yeah. And it's really quite sad because it shouldn't be that way. Yeah. Um, it shouldn't at all. No, and I instant, you know, I instantly said, you know, the few, last few weeks we've been hearing from... David Lapartion, who pipes up about certain things. And it's like, so where is the leader of our sport at the moment? You know, where, where's Christian Prudhomme? Where are these guys? Because, you know, you messaged me a couple of days ago, didn't you? Ask him whether you, ASO would agree to getting the riders to do a, a, a videos of him saying that we're against racism. And you asked me the question, do you think they will refuse to do it, certain riders? And I think, again, the fact you have to ask that question is, is just shows where we're at with it, really. And I think, but it's actually as well so disproportionate to what you do at Regent's Park every week, you know, mm. because there is some good out there and there is, it's, and I actually think that some people like Kevin Ratzer and that wouldn't actually be aware that that goes on, would he? Yeah. And I think that's no. the shame as well, is Kevin probably feels, he probably feels so alone at the moment in this world. And the more people talk about it, the more people show what people out there are actually doing for it which is why I wanted to pick up on it. It's something we'll constantly address because this ain't going to go away and it shouldn't go away. And um, I know something, Graham, it's something you are quite passionate about as well. And um, you wanted, I know you wanted to ask Manny a question, didn't you? Well, Manny, I think about it when, when you see what other sports are doing as well, in, in, in terms yeah. of when you see you know, the Premier League, you see the players taking... The NBA particularly. The NBA, what they did was and, incredible. Yeah, it was, so, you know, not only in the UK, but particularly yeah. in, the, in the USA. What would you like to see visibly from the peloton? What would you like to see happening now um, that they're not doing when you look at other sports and you can see how the players there are taking a stand? You know, for starters, I'd like to see a symbolic gesture from the, the whole of the peloton, um, a, a symbolic stance against racism. That would make a huge difference because this is the thing. People sit there and they say, oh, you know, sports and politics shouldn't mix. That's absolute nonsense. You know, sports and politics... Politics control every part of our society, every part, of everything that we do, from how you dress to what you eat. You know, chlorinated chicken being important. To, like, it, it affects everything we do. Yeah. So when people say that, it's a disingenuous yeah. attempt. It, basically it's there. It's there whether we like it or not. It's there whether we like it or Because people exactly. will so, use sport to politicise it when they want to and then complain about exactly. it when they don't want to, yeah. 
Exactly. Just like just like Hitler did, you know, people use that for a reason. Hmm. Um, but the, the thing is, it's not it's not a difficult thing to ask. I've been, I've, I've been saying to this to, to you, Brad. You know, in football, literally, you get you know, you can ask. You know, there's 176 riders. I mean, you can ask for volunteers from each of the squad and say, "Hey, who wants to cut a video out? It's just one minute yeah. video. Say no to racism." You know, um, you can have you know. Rugbridge turn up for that. Peterson gun, say no to racism. Mm. You know, we say no to racism. Just a symbolic video that you show, you showcase before every, you know, before the start or midway through the the the, the, the tour's coverage. It's not a difficult thing to do at all. No. So mm. for the governing bodies, the UCI, ASO, Tour de France organizers to, and it goes also to the to the jury and all the organizers to not be able to do just that symbolic gesture. For me as a black person and for a lot of black riders. It's a kick in the teeth. It just yeah. it means that they're either, you know, um, it's an afterthought. They don't care. Or even worse, yeah. they just want to keep cycling white. Or, you know, so it's that indifference. And it really, and that's the thing. The message that sends home for riders like me is what is, is yeah. one that just makes me sort of like disappointed to be part of cycling. But what I think is really sad as well is that it shouldn't be something you have to be asked about. I mean... If I watched that interview now, if I was, I wish I'd, if I was the yellow jersey this year, I'd make a stance on Paris on the morning of Paris stage about this because this is where the riders need to come together a bit more and, you know, use their status. Peter's again, people like that. Stand up for the sport. Stand up for the people that ride with you. The reason you win the Tour de France is because of people like Kevin that make up the field. They all have a right to be there. And it's, um, you know, we, we, we spend so much time worrying in this stupid sport of ours I say stupid, stupid areas of the sport that actually don't really matter. They're not, they're not fundamentally important. Things like this are societally important. This like is, this me- is a measuring sp- sock height. Yeah. Worrying about sock height, you know, worrying about stupid things. You know, look at the, look at, look how much effort they put into this year to, to know about Corona and two strikes you're out, two strikes you're out. What about, you know, one racial attack on anyone? You're out of the sport forever. I mean, it's just, yeah. I, and it, it, it me off because Kevin is 2020 is is he should not have to feel like that and and rightly so we we've women cycling we, we, we lots is talking about in that in terms of equality and pushing that sport forward but issues like this are underlying and, and we people pretend that it's all good and it but it's the closet in people lots of people are closets you know because they're they're bigoted because they they're brought up like that and it's culturally as well. Certain countries, the sport's made up internationally. Certain countries are culturally, you know, sayings and things which you know aren't acceptable anymore. And and that's the problem is 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 people don't show their bigotry. It's it's a very, it comes out, you know. And I think it, you know, strongest sanctions for people like Moscon. You know, Moscon apologised. So that's all right, is it? That's an ingrained trait. You're not born a bigot. You learn it. And I think that's it, it needs to be. A, people need to start taking a stance. And it, it starts at the top. Leads of the teams higher up in the UCI. The fact there is a, a rider in that peloton who feels that way as an interview like that, something has to change. Mm. Right, and, and I'll give you a quick um, a quick anecdote about how that sort of you know um, how that affects you know riders like me on a societal yeah. basis. Yeah. When I'm riding my bike and I'm riding around Essex, you know, through country lanes, um, heading out into like little towns, for example, right. There's certain things that, you know, my white friends, my white um, cycling friends don't ever have to worry about. You know, I think as a cyclist, I worry about, you know, drivers driving too too close or having, you know, close passes. Mm. But as a, as a black rider, 
there's there's another layer added layer absolutely so so when i'm riding for example and i'm going for a little town and i see you know um displays of nationalism like you know um, st yeah. george's flight yeah for a black person my spider senses go up yeah and, yeah. I, and I start thinking am i safe here how am i going to be treated and it's really weird because you wouldn't think that you know if you're white you would you just be completely oblivious of to course. that you know you think manny why are you you know being so so tense like <laughs> mm. it's okay here but as a black rider i would have to worry about that and these are the little things that you know, affects us on a societal level. So, for the total trust is sort of make that gesture it goes a long way. Yeah, but, but that's where you can use the power of sport to portray a massive message, and it's a yeah, exactly. it's a societal problem. Until you change the perception of the general public's perception of how they view the average black man in the street, you know, then it, because you know it's okay. People like you know successful black sportsmen, film stars, people in society know that but until you change the average, the perception of the average black man in the street, it, it ends up f coming into sport and football and all these other things. But you, you can use sport as a powerful weapon which, with where it mixes with politics. It's not even politics. It's, this is just educating people that this shouldn't happen anymore, but it does. And cycling is, has got a problem because it's, it's based in and steeped in traditions and and cultural traditions and, and by the nature of the fact that certain areas of Europe and things like that. But this is this needs to be, a stance needs to be taken from people higher up. Do we feel like 2015 was a missed opportunity, chaps, when we saw Daniel Tecklenheimenot in the in the polka dot jersey and we, and we saw that visible representation and it, it almost feels like the sport's gone, the professional sport has gone backwards. Well, the identity of the team was, was based on where it was financed from. And obviously once sponsors changed and that, and that, that's... Yeah. You know, so that's quite difficult to control, isn't it? But you can keep an identity um, and seek sponsors that will fund that because of that's what they want to get behind. And I can't see why any corporation now wouldn't want to get behind that the way the state of affairs at the moment. Would you agree, Manny? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I look at like, you know, um, competitions like, you know, Tour of Rwanda. Amazing race. Mm. Barely gets any coverage, you know? Yeah. And it's about trying to show showcase, you know, other aspects of, of our sport. I think these are the things that, you know, um, sponsors can get, you know, get involved in. And, mm. you know, trying to project that image is really important. At the moment, we're just not getting it at all. So, um, and I think on the grassroots, more needs to be done. But like I said, it's an, it's, it just comes down to the organisational level. Mm. Everything else, you know, comes down from it. It's from, it comes, it's top down. So, Manny, we hear the word privilege a lot. Um, and, and we often see people get upset or hear people get upset um, when they hear it, it could be quite triggering. But it's let's let's take a couple of minutes now to sort of deconstruct what that actually means. Great. Um, and just before we just touch on privilege, just want to just touch a little bit on just racism, right? Uh, when we talk about racism, racism is really a power dynamic. It's all about power structures, right? And this is the thing that a lot of people do not understand when it comes to racism. It's just it's the fact that you know I could be a millionaire, you know, I could, I could be a billionaire, I could be super rich, right? And I could go, you know, um, go to a restaurant with an average Joe who's white. Right? We, we could go to anywhere in West Africa, anywhere around the world. You will most likely get served before me. Just because people see you, they see power. Whiteness equals power. And that's the thing that a lot of people don't understand. It's like having a British passport. That equals power. You know, so when we talk about racism, we're always talking about power dynamics. And when we talk about privilege... One of the things about privilege is we all have privilege. Me as a black male, 
um, I have, you know, living in the West, I have privilege as opposed to someone who's living, you know, in Africa or, or in, you know, in Nigeria, you name it. I have my privilege. You know, I have the, the privilege as an able-bodied person as opposed to someone who's disabled because the world is structured around me as an able-bodied person. If I'm going somewhere, I don't have to worry about whether, you know, there's going to be a platform for me to roll my wheelchair over. Um, so that's where my privilege lies. Now, when we talk about white and you know black privilege, it's it's slightly different. It's it's not it's not privilege as in oh, um, you're rich and I'm not. That's a different form of privilege. It's the privilege that you have that means that you don't have to worry about certain things. Like I said, you know, if I'm riding around in certain places and I see oh, uh, this place of nationalism, I get tense because I don't know how I'm going to be received. Mm. Right, but if you're a white rider, you don't have to worry about that. You know you're going to be welcomed. That's home. I, I'm not. And so that's another form of it, um, of privilege. It's just about what is around you, what's default. And whiteness is effectively default. So everywhere around the world, people are trying to live up to the whiteness ideal because that's where, you know, the, the standard has been set. You know, you, and so, you know, you know, whenever you look around, when we talk about even skin bleaching, all around the world, people are bleaching their skin because they want to become white, because whiteness equals power, equals the default. And so you could be a poor white person and still have privilege over a rich black person. Because at the end of the day, it's not about whether you're wealthy or it's not about you know being born rich. It's about having all those little things around you that's structured around you that you never have to worry about. It's, um, I tell you, I saw just on a separate thing in America, you know, um, Farah, the, the comedian, the guy who does the impressions of Barack Obama and all those guys on Saturday Night Live, Jay Farah. Oh, oh, yeah. Did you see that thing when he went out running in LA? Yes. And they bragged him yes, to the ground. I saw that video. And he said, yeah. Google me, Google me. You know what? That's another thing. You know, in, in the UK, we have this thing where it's like, you know, if you're a black person, you know, you get, you, you're, you're more likely, you're four times you know, um, more likely to get stopped and searched. I've been stopped and searched. You had it. Brad, this is how the paranoia goes within the black community. Like that, I was so paranoid when I was a teenager. You know, I think when I was in my early 20s that I used to carry, you know how back in the day you used to have the old bus passes yeah, with yeah. your picture in it? Yeah, yeah. So I had this picture in it that was super angelic, right? <laughs> I, was like, I was like 13. And I always used, even though that bus pass had run out like five years ago, I always used to keep it in my pocket. Like, because I saw how black people um, were portrayed whenever they were involved in some sort of incident with the police, right? For some reason, their images will come out looking like, you know, rabid dogs and animals, like, you know, ferocious. So me being very naive, I thought, maybe, you know what, they'll use that picture to identify me and I might stand a better chance if I'm ever involved in something, mm. you know, that wasn't my fault. So I have to worry about that. And, yeah. you know... Yeah. And similarly, when it comes to stop and search, it's, that wasn't the first time I've been stopped and searched. Yeah. I'd be, you know, when I was in my youth, I used to get stopped and searched quite a lot mm. to the point where I just thought, I had to change the way I dress. I thought, maybe I shouldn't be wearing a hoodie. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So we're constantly shifting yeah, and yeah. changing just to try and, you know, fit the, the default mode. So to look less black. And that's why, you know, within black culture in itself, we are quite self-hating. Yeah. You could talk about white white on black racism, but we have a lot within, you know, black people, within our black culture self, we have a lot of ingrained racism that's born out of, you know, the desire to 
to get that power. And that yeah. white and that power means, you know, getting closer to whiteness. Mm. So you see people literally bleach the skin, change yeah. their tone, and they, they aspire to that white ideal. Well, that's that's almost the opposite of the that, that well known line that to white people, whiteness yeah. is universal, but you only have mm. that perception as a white person. Yeah. Yeah. But even that, when you look at like the, the globe, I think it was just like, you know, um, a while back, right, the, the way um, in the education system, geography used to be taught with a globe that had a scale that showed like, you know, Europe larger than it actually is in, in comparison to Africa, you know, and and it, and, it, and it was just like, but every, every step, wherever you look in black history, right, um, in, in how black people have been treated all around the world, you see this sort of systemic agenda to minimize black excellence and black achievements. And in some cases, to, to almost like wipe black people out, there's that constant fear. And so you, you as a black person, the, the, mo- the moment you start delving into black history, you can easily become paranoid because mm. you start looking at, you know, the way, you know, the Black Panthers, for example, you know, the US government, you know, treated the Black Panthers and how they infiltrated the Black mm. Panthers to, you know, to stop that movement. Um, how black leaders, Martin Luther King, you know, Malcolm X, you name it, all been assassinated for speaking out. You know, you start to develop that paranoia where you think, oh, okay, maybe I'm being paranoid. But quite often it's not. You're not being paranoid. There are no, you know, uh, forces at, you know, at hand that are constantly thinking about ways to oppression. There's, yeah, there's a reason for that paranoia. I see a lot of instances, for example, like where, you know, we had Rihanna wear like a, a, a laced outfit, like a, you know, Caribbean sort of vest, right? Mm. A string vest, but like in a dress format. She wears it and it's like, oh, look at her. Like she looks naked and she's like, she gets critiqued from that angle. But, you know, a white model wears it and all of a sudden it's just like, oh, look at it, Demure. Like, you get all of that kind of stuff. And, you know, you, you see how Serena Williams is sometimes caricatured, yeah. you know, in tennis. Yeah. And it's like, it's that subconscious racism sometimes just spill out. Mm-hmm. And as a black person, sometimes you're looking at this and you're thinking, wow, I can't believe I'm seeing this, but it's true. It's happening. And so, like I said, we, have, we just have that sort of inbuilt spider sense yeah. and that paranoia. And unfortunately, when you're by yourself in a space like that, like Kevin is saying, you're pretty much just suffering in silence because, you know, yeah. just like you don't feel that support. Yeah. And, you, you know, you can't speak about it because you don't want people to sort of then go, stop moaning. Lacquer's collective cover is made especially for cyclists, for life on and off your bike. Lacquer has flipped outdated traditional insurance on its head with no more fixed upfront premiums. Instead, your monthly contributions are based on the collective's claims that month. Your max monthly price is capped, but the savings are all yours. Plus, 80% of your money goes straight back into the collective, fixing, replacing, and helping. And the other 20% keeps their wheels spinning. It's as simple as that. And when things go bad, Lacquer's got your back. Claims are handled by experts and usually agreed within a day, with no depreciation or excess. They've ditched annual contracts locking you in. With Lacquer, if you want to leave, you can, anytime. Head over to www.lacquer.co where new customers can get £10 credit by signing up today with the discount code WIGGINS. You know, I say things a lot of the time and it gets picked up and, you know, whether I'm having a poo or what, and sensationalised, <laughs> you know, and... You know, uh, we did the thing on the Grodevig and stuff the other week, and I just said, yeah, just off the top of my head, we could probably have lanes in the sprints, just so you could see where 
And then, of course, it's yeah. like Wiggins calls for, for Lane's athletic. I didn't call for it, but I would call for this. So, you know, but my worry is this won't get reported tomorrow. It'll be, you know, that's the danger of it. But what what, what should we do from here? Because we're going to try and, you know, initially we're going to keep plugging away on this. So what what should we do, Manny? You know what? I don't I don't think it's incumbents on the riders necessarily no. to, to stand up. Um, it's it's a shame. Um, and but they are adults. They are adults. They, they, they are adults. And they are um, role models. Think, yeah. They're, they're also role models. I, I think for me, you know, step one, pressure, you know, the UCI, the UCI should be stepping up. Yeah. Um, the race organisers should be stepping up. Secondly, you know, the teams, we talk about, it, you know, Ineos Grenadiers, they need to step up. You know, Dave Brailsford talks about it. Mm. You know, and Jonathan Volters for, you know, EF Education. They, mm. They're talking about it. They know about it. So, hey, do something about it. Yeah. You know, ask the riders, hey, do you guys, who wants to volunteer and do this? Mm. And, you know, and I'm sure a couple of them will volunteer and say, hey, you know what? Let's make a symbolic gesture against racism. Mm. It's, it's, it's something as milk toast as that. It doesn't take much effort. Yeah. And I think, you know, that would go a long way. But unfortunately, what's happening is people are, you know, afraid of the fans. They're afraid they may get negative um, reception. Mm. Um, and as a result of that, you know, those that want to do, do something positive. Money for UCI president? <laughs> all right. No, no, I'm good. <laughs> Manny, here's here's one for you too, because I think this goes all the way from amateur level with what you're doing with the the Black Cyclist Network, all the way through right. to the Pro Peloton. It's a question of, of of confidence. This is something that we talked about when you were on the show earlier in the season as well. It's that confidence of of feeling like you belong and you can go out and ride your bike at an amateur level. And for the for the the guys in the peloton, if you're black, it's it's. Um, having the confidence to speak out, or even if you're even if you're white, having the confidence to speak out and say, "Look, this isn't right." Yeah, I, it, it's it's tough. It, it really is um, for individuals to to stand up and 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 take that you know take that risk. We we've seen it in American football with Colin Kaepernick. He stood up and he got hell from the media. You know, the right wing media over in the United States literally twisted a very great symbolic gesture, really respectful. And kneeling on the ground, you know, putting the knee on the ground to say, look, this is my protest. You know, in certain circles, you know, this is the reason why, you know, when black people, when we talk about certain stuff, like we are, we, we're kind of paranoid in, in white spaces because we see how things get twisted. Mm. And Bradley, you know that because yeah. you know how your thoughts get twisted. Yeah. And so when we're trying to communicate, it's a question of when we say, look, let's try to do something, you know, as, as positive as just, you know, as something as timid as just putting your knee down, you know, in protest, right? People took that and turned that to make it look like he is disrespecting America. Yeah. You know, he's disrespecting the troops. And that was the narrative all the way around. So it never got through, never got filtered through what this guy was trying to do. And ultimately what he was trying to do was basically bring attention to, you know, police brutality and the fact that, you know, black men are getting killed at disproportionate rate yeah, yeah. by police. That, that was just it. But people, and because people seen that, it, it makes, especially black, black, you know, the, the black fighters like Kevin, he's seen that and he's thinking, gosh, should I stick my neck out? We know what happened to Muhammad Ali, you know, when he decided to take a stand. Yeah. He lost everything. Yeah. So this is what people but that's know, still happening. go through. That's still happening. Yeah. It, it takes a bold statement, a, 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 you know, really brave individual to, to make that step. Yeah. And so when we put on the individuals, for me, it's always difficult. It yeah. has to be of course, pressure yeah. from yeah. the top. 
Yeah. And, and Kaepernick lost his job because of it, yeah. didn't he? Absolutely. So it's, it, it shows what you're risking. Mm. If yeah. you do speak out yeah. and, things, and things have got to change and that has to happen, it, it can't just be one person doing yeah. it. Exactly. What I don't like is the sort of... It's, it's if you ask riders to do a video like that, the, how disingenuine it's just... It's, it's a, a pandering exercise. I think it should be the ones that are passionate about it. Would you, you stand up and contact us? We'd love to have you on it. You know, not rather than get right. You just have to go in this room and say this. I think that's where it will fall down. And I, I, I'd, I'd ask any rider that's passionate about this, get in touch, and we'd love to have you. You know, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's not too late as well. And this, it's Tour never de too late. Yeah, it doesn't even have to be during the Tour de France. It, I don't. It's a shame that it's arisen now towards the end. Yeah. I was just going to give you a really perfect anecdote of um, what it means to sort of be welcomed in a space like that when you're the only black rider. So I've been talking to Tanil Campbell um, the past couple of days. Um, Tanil is a rider for um, Trinidad and Tobago, but she's been uh, racing in the um, the Jura, uh, women's Jura. And um, I, you know, um, wonder, I speak to Lizzie quite often, um, Lizzie Dagman, absolutely amazing. And I was like, so I asked Tanil, I was like, hey, you know what? Um, have you seen Lizzie around? Is there any chance you could potentially get a picture with her when you, you, you know, if you see her after the race? And she's like, yeah, no problem. I'll give it a go. I didn't know that she was kind of shy of Lizzie. So I text, I messaged Lizzie. I was like, hey, Lizzie, can you get, you know, I've talked to Neil to come over and take a photo. Like, would you, you know, um, just just be on the lookout for it. And Lizzie actually, you know, answered my, my text and just said, look, I'm going to do it. She went over to Neil and took a photo of Neil. And then the next day, Tanil sent me the image and, and she was absolutely chopped. You know, these are two high-level elite athletes right next to each other. And one of them was just super chuffed the fact that, you know, Lizzie, she looks up to Lizzie. And to, to get that welcome and that arm around the shoulder means a lot. Now, if you're a white rider, you often, you, you get that. You know, it's a given. You know, there's always that elder state, statesman, either your country, fellow countryman, or, you know, a, you know, a much more senior statesman just put an arm around you to say, hey, you know, you're the young kid, you're, we've got you. That makes a huge difference. But when you're a black athlete and you're in that zone, sometimes you don't always get that. Mm. You know, instead you get that look, people analyzing you and downloading you. And something as little as that just makes a huge difference. And mm. that's, all, that's all we're saying. Look, let's just try and make cycling a little bit more welcoming. And that's what I've done with BCN. Just trying to create a welcoming atmosphere. And we can do it. Manny, while you're here, do you want to give us a plug for the Black Cyclist Network? Where can we find you? Oh, brilliant. Um, Black Cyclist Network, you can find us on Instagram, Black Cyclist Network, all in one word with an S, Black Cyclist, that's in plural. Um, we are on um, Twitter, BCM Tweets. And if you ever want to join us on the ride, you can join us. Um, we, we ride every Saturday, Regent's Park at ATM in London. Everyone is welcome. Right, when are you coming for a ride, mate? <laughs> yeah, as soon as I finish my day job, I promise I'm coming down. Manny, right. thank you for coming on. Um, we look forward to having you on again. Yeah, we'll have you on. Cheers, Manny. And good luck. Appreciate that. Love girl. you. Thank you. Appreciate that, <laughs> that brings us to the end of this episode of the Bradley Wiggins Show by Eurosport. Thank you to our sponsor, Lacquer Bicycle Insurance. Thanks also to Manny Arthur for coming back on the show. And thank you, Brad. Yes. We can follow you on social media. So we go. So we go. And you can follow Eurosport on Twitter at Eurosport underscore UK, where you can find all his interview with Kevin Retzer, uh, as discussed earlier. Thank you too to our producer, Pete Burton. And finally, from me, Graham Wilgos, it's goodbye. If you've enjoyed the show, please do subscribe, share your thoughts and rate us wherever you pod. Brad, just give us a line on tomorrow's time trial. Decisive, possibly, time trial yeah. up La Planche de Belfi. Um, 
very unique one, finishing up Thomas Belfi. Going to be tough. I can't see Primoz losing that lead. If anything, I think he might gain time. And I think he's my favourite for the stage. But um, there's a couple of other battles. Uh, King of the Mountains jersey, two points in that. Do we expect Carapaz to hold on to it? Well, there might be a bike change at the foot of the climb, which mm. he can do. What would you do in this situation? Would you change your bike? No, I was more comfortable on my time trial bike up the climb. We can, um, we'll pick up on all that tomorrow and discuss it in detail because there'll be a lot to discuss on a time trial day. It's my favourite race, so one the other time trial, so I'll have a bit of a go at talking about it. Looking forward to it. We'll see wait. you tomorrow. See you tomorrow. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.